0: It is okay to clap. Okay, so don't don't feel like you uh, can't. This is all your stuff. Right? Do, do you need it? Okay. You're okay. I was going to preach the words to the song. What I was <laughs> well, uh, turn if you will to Mark chapter four, and. Uh, uh, Polly made the comment a couple weeks ago that the people over here couldn't see the, couldn't see the, the, the scripture. So if you can't see it, wave or let me know and I'll move it around. And you guys can see it. You guys can see it. We're good. All right. So here we go. All right. So what we're going to do today is we're basically we're going to have two sermons in one. We're going to go real quickly through the first one. Then we're going to go into the real sermon. Because what I wanted to do. Goodbye. Well, Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Can you get me to my sermon, please? Uh, all sing this real quick. Huh? We're having issues back here. We're having issues back here, huh? Our mouse is stuck, so she's. Oh, the mouse tired. is stuck? Yeah, sorry. She's caught in the trap.
1: Sermon in reverse. No, keep
0: going, keep going. Yep, there you go. There you go. Okay, got it. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> So I want to talk about miracles today, because in the month of June, we're going to be t- focusing on miracles in the church, not in the church. We're going to focus on Jesus' miracles. And so what I want to do is get some definitions real quickly, and then get into the sermon today. Because um, according to Joe, the, the, the Sunday classes were about Jesus, okay? And of course you know that's the right answer for everything in the church. So miracles, what are they? Miracles are an extraordinary manifestation of divine intervention in human affairs that science cannot explain. Got that? So what that means is, a miracle is something that makes absolutely no sense how it came about. For example, in the scriptures, we have some miracles that are in scripture. Uh, the parting of the Red Sea. That's a miracle. Uh, science is trying to explain it, but basically it's a miracle. The water parted. Jesus walking on the water is a miracle, okay? The sun standing still is a miracle. That's found in the scriptures. Lazarus being dead for four days and raising from the dead is a miracle. And I love this particular uh, passage about Lazarus because um, in the Jewish culture, uh, when somebody died, they believed that that the spirit of that person hovered around the body for three days. Got that? So for three days. When did Jesus go and raise the the body of Lazarus from the dead? Four days. So uh, uh, Lazarus was not just dead; he was very dead when when they raised him from the dead. So that is a miracle. And uh, and so there are some things I'm going to make a little distinction on divine intervention. But I really, but once again, we're going to be talking more of the miracles here. What do miracles do? Uh, I keep missing this one. A miracle is without question a miracle. That sounds so crazy, is not it? But I think sometimes we in the church are so desperate for miracles that we equate things that aren't miracles as miracles. I know you're going, What are you saying? It's It's not a manipulation, not a manipulation of the senses, not a manipulation of the emotions. It is of God without question. Scriptures, once again, somebody, I, I love what the scriptures do because the scriptures always puts a little bit extra in there to make sure that we know it's a miracle. This man was blind since burr. Uh, this man had been lame for 20 years. In other words, everybody in the community knew that that person was infirm or whatever, it was not a plant. Where they put somebody in there, and, uh, and you know what? He, 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 a miracle happened, and nobody knew what that person was. And, and unfortunately, I've heard incidences where uh, people have done that. And it, it bothers me greatly, because it takes away from what God could do, and it takes away from the glory of God. And it's not a manipulation of the emotion and the senses. We all know that you get the adrenaline going, we, that all can happen. I mean, people can, can manipulate things. Okay, the purposes of miracles are a couple-fold. One, it proves the existence of God. I mean, this just can't happen. God is working here, okay? It is also intervention out of compassion towards the recipient. Now, this is a hard one for me. Because you know what Paul and I have gone through this past year. You know, with my grandson, and yet I hear. uh, When we got that word, uh, my daughter sent me the word that there was no heartbeat. We start praying at that point. God, work, work now, work now, and it didn't come about. Why is it that God has compassion on some but not others? And unfortunately, I don't have the answer to that. I, I got a story here of a. A 14 month old baby that two people were hiking through the words and they heard an adult voice screaming, Help me! Help me! And, and they ran over towards the voice and it was, a, this happened in 2015. And this car's on its top in a river. The mother is dead, but the 14 month old baby is in there that can't speak, it's just crying, and yet somehow they heard an adult voice say, Come and help me. Why, why, why does God do that and yet? I can tell you other situations that I'm aware of too where you didn't intervene. We know that's a miracle. We don't have the answer. And and as we talk about these things, there's a lot of times I just have to be honest with you, we just have to trust in the sovereignty of God. And that is hard. People at conferences, how's your daughter doing? Physically okay. So, okay. So the intervention out of compassion. I don't, I don't have the answer to all of this. Uh, it proves God's hand in the messenger. And lastly, it advances God's purpose and plan. The uh, Israelites left the, uh, Egypt, and, you know, it was through miracles that, that actually came about. Okay? So there are different types of miracles. Uh, what Jesus did miracles over the physical world, physical, me, physical. Uh, over the spiritual world, uh, and that was de- demons and demoniacs, over the natural world, uh, he walked on water, <clears throat> he, he stilled the storm, and over, miracle over life and death itself. There was a couple times where Jesus raised a person from the dead. I mean, or or, it said, or eventually that person was raised from the dead. So, um, we know that he did that, and the reason why, uh, that was allowed is because it was a sign of prophecies fulfilled about Jesus. It was a, uh, a, that Jesus was along the way to Messiah. It was. It was also uh, pointing that Jesus is who he said he was. <laughs> All right. So my question is, do or oh, oh, And it's a sign of prophecy fulfilled. A sign of Jesus' authority, his power, and his glory. All right. Do miracles happen today? Yes, without a doubt in my mind, miracles happen today. But I want to make a distinction though, and I might be pulling hairs here, between divine involvement and miracle. In my opinion, a divine involvement might be, he aids in the healing of a person. Okay? Can, can I share a story with you? No? Okay. So, um, I'm old, and I, I'm starting to deal with what's called Gout. Who always had gout? Who all wants to admit you had gout? It is the most painful thing I have ever gone through in my life. In, in a level of, of a 0 to 10 on the pain scale, it was a 9.5. You could have cut my foot off, and I wouldn't have cared. And so at the last elders meeting, the elders said, how are you feeling? I said, well, it's, it's still hurting. I would give it about a, what I'd say, 5 or 6 on the, on the Richter scale. And they said, let's go around and let's pray. So the elders went around me and they laid hands on me and they started praying. And at that point, I felt the pain starting to leave. And guess what? The pain's been going down ever since. Amen. Amen. So, I would call, yeah. so I would call that divine intervention in the process. A miracle, in my opinion, would be if, uh, uh, let's let, let, let say I lose my foot and it grows back. Okay, that would be a miracle in my book so still God is involved with it still God is involved with it. Uh, another story of intervention uh, my, my air conditioner in my car went out and uh, I went to a local uh, repair shop and they said uh, um, how much to replace air conditioners about thousand dollars okay he said it's going to cost you thousand dollars fix it your, your compressor is shot. Well, I'm thankful, Lord, because something's happened and everything else. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, so we went to King's Island last Sunday after church, and all the way down I turned the the blower on just to keep uh, air circulating. Uh, The air conditioner was working. And it stopped in Dayton for ten minutes, and then it started up again. So we we go down to King's Island, spend two days down there, turn around, come back. It's working the whole way, and it stops in Dayton again. Something about Dayton. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> for 10 minutes and then the whole way back it's working it's worked ever since so I would say that's a divine intervention and I'm thankful because I don't want to pay that money now some of you are saying no, why doesn't God do that to me I don't have the answer and that's why I say I don't have the answer to some of why does God heal this person and not this person why does this person who has a stage 4 cancer get healed while at the same time somebody over here has stage 1 cancer dies I don't have the answer we just have to trust them. Okay. There's my mirrors. Now let's get into the sermon. We want to talk about Jesus calming the storm, uh, Mark chapter four. I got a question for you. Who are these? Uh, what do these four people have in common? All right, you can see this better than that side. So let's look at these people. These four people have one thing in common. Anybody know what it is? A they were captains of a ship. Yes, you are right, but that's not what I'm looking for. Over here. They're all sailors. True, you're right, but that's not what I'm looking for. They all sank. They all, their ships all sank. You're right, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> they all abandoned ship. They all abandoned ship and left their their crew and their passengers behind. This guy, guy Costa to Concordia, his name is... What's his name? Um... Francisco Chineto. I don't know. Anyway, 35 people died in this boat. The guy at top is... Um, Giannis Averinas. Uh, this happened in uh, 1991. The entire crew left the ship with all the passengers on board, and it was the entertainment crew that was involved with the rescue of the people on the ship. The last one is Korea and 300 students died in that ferry accident. Every one of them, the captain left the ship and left the people behind. Now there is no law that says the captain must go down with the ship. There is no law that says that. However, the captain is responsible for those who are on the ship. And like this, uh, The guy up there that left and all the passengers on there, they weren't even doing a rescue at the time. Uh, Each one of these is serving time in jail. I think, and I'm not sure, I'd have to look it up, that the Korean guy committed suicide. I'm not 100% sure on that, I think so, but to them, shame something like that is terrible to go through. All right. So we have Jesus. Jesus is in a boat. Let me read this to you. Let's start in the scripture. So let's get to this. Okay. The day when the evening came, he said to the disciples, he is Jesus. Let us go over to the other side. The other side of what? The other side of the Sea of Galilee. So this is actually a picture of the Sea of Galilee uh, on this side. Thirteen miles long, eight miles wide. Put this in comparison. I put uh, uh, Grand Lake St. Mary's on here. We are eight miles long by three miles wide. Also, something else is different about it, they have blue water, we've got green water. <laughs> okay? Now, what also is interesting about the Sea of Galilee is it's under sea level, about 700 feet under sea level. So because of that, they don't have too many storms. When it does, it it comes down, and it has to be a a certain type of storm that actually hits the sea. So most of the time, the Sea of Galilee is fairly tranquil. It's it's not really really wavy type of thing, okay? And this is actually the boats that Jesus would have been in when he went to the other side. So it says, he said to the disciples, let's go to the other side, leaving the crowd behind him, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. We tend to forget about the fact that there's also secondary boats that are following him. But people were following him, too. Okay. A furious squall came up. Squall meaning storm, all right? Came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, and he was asleep. I don't know about you. Well, I don't know if I could be sleeping in a storm. You say it must not have been a big storm. Really? When a storm does hit, it hits pretty good in the Sea of Galilee. Let me show you a little video of a storm that hit in 1992. And you tell me if that boat could survive, alright? But luckily, we were able to gain access to another footage. 1992, when a famous Israeli director, Moshe Albert, captures one of the greatest storms ever recorded on tape in the Sea of Galilee. And if we use the same analysis method, we can estimate that the height of the waves to be as high as 10 feet. On smaller boats, waves this high can definitely be considered life-threatening, even for experienced Fish. I had to put that in. There. Okay, so if you're on if you're in with uh, this type of boat, right here, back here, back, 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 back. There you go. If you're in that type of boat, do you think you're gonna survive? Do you think the boat's gonna stay up? Probably not. And so this probably is the type of storm that the, uh, the disciples of Jesus were experiencing. Okay, so he was asleep. He was so exhausted. You ever been that tired that you could sleep through anything? Uh, I mean, well, my grandmother was dying in the hospital. I, I stayed with her, and uh, finally I, I, I said it's time to go home. So and it was like two in the morning. I'd been with her. I was dead dog tired. I was outside of Fort Wayne, and uh, do you know that, that intersection of US-30 and I-69 in Fort Wayne, it's called uh, Fort Myers Corners, I actually hit that corner, and all of a sudden, I didn't know where I was. I'd actually gone on the I-69, didn't even know I hit I-69. And somehow, I didn't go off the road, I was that tired. And so this is what I think Jesus... That time he's been ministering, he's been with people, he's exhausted, he's sleeping. And now the storm hits, he's sleeping on a cushion, the disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we're going to drown? But luckily, we were able to gain access to... Yeah, to so. He got up, he rebuked, the word rebuke is etimaneo, and, and the wind and the wave. That word actually means to muzzle. That's the same word that they, that they use when Jesus rebuked the demons. So he stands up and he rebukes the wind, said be quietly still. And when the wind died down, it was completely calm. Uh, uh, Galini. That means calm as glass. Got that? So Big blow-up! He rebukes them, he them the storm, and then it becomes calm as glass. And he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and asked each other, Who is this?" That's one of the keys to the story of the the calming of storm. Who is Jesus? Who is he? Even the wind obeys him. There are some analogies uh, to this story that I think relate to us and I want to talk about that before I give you the rest of the news. We all will face storms and we all have faced storms and we will face storms the rest of our lives because we live in a fallen world. Interesting thing about storms is normally you know they're coming. In 2007, there was that durencio that went through the state and almost decimated the state. And if you're on fire departments, you know what I'm talking about. Your pagers go off. there's a storm coming, get to the fire hall, you get to the fire hall and, and, and you wait for that storm and you go out and you, and you, and you make sure there's no tornadoes. I, I remember that particular storm, I, I, I got into a tanker truck and the tanker truck had 2,800 gallons of, of, of water in it. So that thing was heavy. And we went to the edge of our territory and that storm hit, and that tanker truck was literally bouncing. Literally, we weren't even driving; it was bouncing. And I looked back, and I saw a sapling tree that got pulled out of the uh, pulled out of the ground and, and blew away, and, and the tarp of the truck went away, and we couldn't find it. And 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 that's how powerful that storm was. We knew it was coming. Then you have other storms that just pop up, and that, that's where we've had the last couple uh, days around here is pop-up storms. They just pop up and they go. There was one, uh, I think it was a couple days ago, we were, Polly was in the backyard and we heard the lightning and we heard the thunder, but we got no rain. We, we could see the one cloud that was right there, and I guess if you're at 118 and Miller Road, you got the rain. And, and then you got storms that, you know are coming, and, or, or maybe of your past, that still affecting you today. So there's are three areas of storms. They're coming, we know it's going to come in the future. They just pop up, it just happens, and it's still affecting us uh, from our past. How, how many of us got storms that cripple us even today? that it affects us. Maybe you go by this house and you see this person that you know that hurt you so deeply and you just start tensing up at that point. Or or maybe you you grew up in a family that treated you this way or whatever. Or, Or how many of us have been affected by a storm that just immediately happened? Driving down the road and a car goes on the other side and blows up or something. Or maybe even the future. Because we look at what the future has in store and we don't like it. And we're so afraid to do anything because of the possibility of what's going to happen in the future. See Jesus. What Jesus did is he slept. Do you know why he slept? Because he was tired. But there's another reason why you sleep. Because you trust the Father. And Jesus knows that that God the Father has everything in His hands. As a matter of fact, the Scriptures even come out and says that God knows the very number of days that He has in store for you. So in some respects, there's not much you can do to prolong your life because God knows the number of days. So how about just relaxing it and...